the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church, where we minister in the spirit of excellence under the leadership of our anointed senior pastor, Bukas Sterling III. Please stay tuned at the end of this broadcast for information on how to obtain a copy of today's message in its entirety. And now, Pastor Sterling. Good evening, good evening, good evening. Praise God. Uh, our scripture reading for tonight is going to come from Second Kings chapter 20, uh, beginning at verses 1 and following. So Second Kings chapter 20, verses 1, 2, and 3. That's where our scripture reference will come from on tonight. So hopefully you have your Bibles with you. You really should. Um, and we're going to read from there. Second Kings, somewhat familiar story, chapter 20, beginning at verse 1. The word of the Lord reads as follows, in those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah, the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said to him, thus says the Lord, set your house in order for you shall die and not live. Then he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord saying, remember now, O Lord, I pray how I have walked before you in truth. And with a loyal heart and have done what was good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Would you pray with me for a moment, eternal God? We are thankful on tonight for the incredible opportunity we've had to worship you, to lift you up, to glorify your holy name, to exalt you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, even now we're excited about rallying around the word of God that you might speak to our lives, to our hearts, to our situation, to our circumstances. Father, I'm praying that even right now that you are ministering to your people, that you are preparing the ground of their heart to be able to receive the word that shall come forward. Lord, if there's any that have not accepted you as Lord and Savior of their life, let the word of God challenge them to the extent that they will give their heart and their life to you. Spirit of the Lord, encourage the discouraged, uplift every heart, edify the body, and glorify yourself. I need you now. Speak through me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, we have pushed our way all the way here now to the, the close of what probably has been for most, if not all of us, the most unusual and most difficult year of our lives. One of the recurring exhaustively used on every occasion has been the word unprecedented. This, no doubt, has been a year of unprecedented events, a year when things we have never seen in our lifetime, at least, have occurred. 
and uh, things in which we've never experienced uh, in our lifetime have occurred. And so this has been, in many cases, a, a very unprecedented year. Uh, and most, of, not all of us, have also come to the reality that in this year, where all these unprecedented things are happening, that we see and we witness that life is changing. And if we are to stay afloat, if we are to survive, if we are going to thrive, we too have to change. Something has to change. Our thinking has to change. Our attitude has to change. Our loyalties have to change. Our decision-making has to change. And from this text tonight, in this whole idea of reprioritizing our lives, uh, and that is, you shall not die. That's my, that's my thought for tonight. That's my, my subject matter for this sermon. You shall not die. But as we move through, keep this in mind, keep this in mind. There's a need, there's a necessity for us to reprioritize our lives. This text begins with the words, in those days. Well, as I walked into this text and I came upon the words in those days, it caused me to go back into further text to understand what days is the author referring to? What is he talking about? What days are we talking about? And as I went back, I found out that we need to begin this text. We need to begin this sermonic experience with uh, watching Hezekiah with having a priority of praise. The days that he's referring to are the days of chapter 19. And in chapter 19, we see uh, there's a time when uh, the king of Assyria, uh, Sennacherib, uh, Sennacherib, he comes to uh, threaten Israel. He challenges God. He threatens Israel. He calls out God and brings forth, breathes forth defilement and blasphemy against God. And in doing so, he says, I'm going to besiege uh, Judah. I'm going to overtake them. They're, the God is nothing. They're, they're, uh, they're, they're, they're incapable of standing against me. Have you not known all the things and talk to the other kings that I've conquered and all the other things I've accomplished and, and see what I've done? I'm, I'm all that in a bag of chips and some change. And God here is in a chair. God, in essence, says to Sennacherib, I'm going to prove to you who's God. And in that very instance, God responds to his threats and God responds to his answers and his, his revilings and he sends forth the angel of God while Assyria has now uh, besieged the city of Judah and they're ready to go in and, and launch their attack. God sends in the angel of the Lord at nighttime and he kills 185,000 of the troops of Assyria. When they wake up in the morning, there are dead men all laying all around. And then Sennacherib rises up and runs back home, realizing that he is in the presence and under the power of something far greater than himself. He goes back home, but that's not the end of Sennacherib because God deals with him as well. And he actually ends up getting killed by his own son when he gets home. And his son takes over as king. 
And in that moment, here is Hezekiah, here is Judah, and they are rejoicing in the victory of God. It is in the days that there is rejoicing, that there is celebration, that there is joy in the presence of God. It's in those days, in the days when victory had come to Israel by the hand of an awesome God who killed 185,000 of the enemies by night. They never had to lift a hand. They never had to lift a finger. God was bringing victory to them. And, and if I can say it this way, praise was easy. And so they had entered into what I call a priority of praise because when God does miraculous things in your life, the first thing that ought to come to your mind is to give him the praise. And so Hezekiah is in a season of praise. Hezekiah and, and, and all of Judah is in a season of praise and they're giving God praise and they're worshiping him and everything is going well, kind of like we were prior to March 15, 2020. Things were going well. Praise was easy. We came to church Sunday after Sunday and we jumped and we shouted and we praised God and we were thankful for all the things that were happening. But it doesn't take long before that priority of praise shifts. Because the text says it's in those days Hezekiah was sick and near death. In the very days that there was a priority of praise, the priority shifts from a priority of praise to a priority of prayer. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Here, and, and, and it's, this is kind of it's interesting to me as I look at this text, how, how, how things can shift so quickly. How in one moment we're celebrating victory and in the next moment we're dealing with sickness unto death. But here is Hezekiah in the midst of that very scenario. And in the light and in the movement of God and the light and the movement of things that are happening that are way beyond Hezekiah's control. God shifts his priority. He has to shift his priority from praise when everything was going well, now to dealing with the sickness in his body and dealing with the fact that he also gets a priority-changing message from Isaiah. Let me walk you through this. Uh, the message that Isaiah brings to him, it is in those days Hezekiah was sick and near death, and Isaiah the prophet comes to him, the son of Amos, he comes to him with a priority-changing message and says to him, set your house in order for you shall die and not live. Let me tell you, when the doctor comes to you and says, you're going to die and not live, when the prophet comes to you and says, you're going to die and not live, when somebody comes to you and lets you know, you're not going to make it through this, you're going to die. And, and not live, I guarantee you your priorities are going to change. And the, nonetheless, that's what happens to, to Hezekiah. His priorities change from the moment and time of, of worship and celebration. Now he's focused on survival. And now he has to figure out, what am I going to do? And far too many have heard these very words. In essence, you're going to live and not die. Far too many have experienced the position in place. Some of you who are listening here tonight, you've heard the doctor say you ain't going to make it, but yet here you are because your priority shifted. Your priority shifted from one thing to the next. And, and I would probably suggest that most, if not all of us, when, when they say you get ready to die, most, if not all of us, will start praying. And, and, and Isaiah, I'm sorry, Hezekiah is no, 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 no different. He begins to pray. And prayer becomes his priority. So now that prayer is his priority, 
the text says, after getting this priority-changing message, he turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord's saying. Here is Hezekiah, one moment celebrating, the next moment sick unto death. And I would probably suggest, I don't think I'm too far stretching it to think that maybe Hezekiah was thinking, ah, it's just, it's just a boil because the, the disease that has taken over his body is a sickness of boils. It's a disease of boils. And he's probably thinking, yeah, I probably had boils before. This was, you know, we'll, we'll do some stuff to it. We'll, we'll, we'll exercise some remedies and we'll get beyond this. But then priority-changing message comes from the prophet that says, you're going to die, and you're not going to live. Well, within the priority of prayer, I see also the priority of privacy. Because this is not the kind of prayer that you're going to pray out loud. This is not the kind of prayer that you're going to run into the sanctuary and, 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 and shout out to everybody. This is not the kind of prayer that you eloquently pray in the streets to, to fascinate people and to cause people to, to see how, 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 how fanciful you are. No, this is the kind of situation that pushes you to the place where your prayer needs to be private. And then we see in the text that the that the priority of his prayer, in, in, within the priority of his prayer, there's a priority of privacy. In other words, I want to talk to God, and I want to talk to him alone. Now, let me just see if I can tie this into where we are. Here we are on the, on the end of a year when, when all kinds of hell has broken loose, when we've lost jobs, when we've lost homes, when we've lost mama and daddy and children and loved ones and husbands and wives and friends and, and all kinds of family members have gone home to be with the Lord. And some would say far too soon, but I know all, always according to the timing and the will of God. But in a time like this, when the word comes to you and says you're going to die and not live, I would suggest that now is the time that you need to have a turn your face to the wall conversation with God. I can't tell you, Catherine, how many times in this year, throughout all the things that have gone on, throughout all my the experiences and all the phone calls I've got, how many times I've had in order to survive, in order to stay, to stay afloat, in order to continue to do the ministry that I'm doing. I can't tell you how many times I've had to turn my face to the wall to call upon the Lord and say, Lord, I need you. It was a private time of prayer. I had to go into my closet, close the door behind me, get in the face of God, and talk to God. It was a time where my priority not only was prayer, but there was a priority of privacy of prayer because I only want to talk to God. It wasn't nobody else's business. It was between me and the Lord. And so I, I like, like Hezekiah, had to turn my face to the wall. I had to get in private conversation with God so we could work this thing out. It's really not so much we could work it out, but that he could work it out. But that I could pour my heart out to him and share with him where I am and what was going on in my life. I know I'm not the only one. I'm sure many of you can say you've gone through the very same thing. But there's another aspect even within the text that I see that 
still within the priority of prayer. He's got this priority of privacy in the prayer. But verse, verse 3 says, remember now, O Lord. So see, he's just got this message. You're going you're gonna to die and not live. He turns his face to the wall so he can have this private conversation with God and listen to what he says. Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth and, and with, a, with a loyal heart and, and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly before the Lord. There's not only a priority of privacy within his priority of prayer, but there's a priority of pleading. Hezekiah doesn't immediately just start saying, God, you need to fix me. No, he starts pleading with the Lord based on his previous actions. Based on his previous deeds, based on his walk of faith, he says, Lord, remember I've been faithful. Now, let me tell you this. Everybody can't plead with the Lord like this. But Hezekiah begins to plead. He says, Lord, remember my walk of faithfulness? Remember my walk of, a, of, of loyalty? I've had a loyal heart before you. And he goes on. He says, Lord, remember my walk of goodness before you, God? And, and he begins to plead with the Lord based on his goodness, based on his faithfulness based on his loyalty to God. Well, in order to plead like this before the Lord, in order for you to place this as a priority of your pleading, you've got to have a history with God that was stellar. Here's the bad news. The bad news is that many, many of us don't have a stellar background to pull from. Many of us can't say, Lord, I've been faithful all this time. We'll say, Lord, I really wasn't that faithful. I was planning on going to church this year. I was planning on getting it right, but they closed the church down, Lord. I, 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 I don't have a good history. Well, here's the good news. The good news is that even if you don't have History with God, even if you don't have the ability to go back and draw from your past experience with God, even if you don't have the ability to say to the Lord, Lord, I've been so faithful. Lord, I've been so good. Lord, I've been so true to you. Lord, I've done everything you asked me to do. Even if you can't say that, I want you to understand something. When God answers your prayer, he answers your prayer not on your faithfulness, but based on his faithfulness. And because he's faithful, he'll answer your prayer by God grace so it is by grace that he's going to bring you through this difficult time it's by grace it's by grace that you haven't contracted the covid virus it was by grace that even after you contracted the virus that you were not the one that got the life-changing message that you're going to die and not live no in fact the message came you're going to live and not die but that's all because of the grace of god it's going to be by the grace of God that you're going to be able to keep your job. It's going to be by the grace of God that you're going to be able to keep your house. And for those who've lost their jobs, it's by the grace of God that you're still in your house even though you lost your job. Look at what God is capable of doing. But it's all by his grace. So I need you to understand something. And I didn't want to stay here all, I didn't want to be before you long, but I, I need you to get this. There's some things that we put as priorities in our lives. We put them as important. We thought they were of the utmost importance. And I'm standing here tonight to tell you they're not. There are more important things. There's time to shift your priority. It's time for you to begin to realize that there are higher priorities. There are other things you need to put as priority in your life. And as you place priority on seeking the face of God, let your first prayer be a prayer 
of faith for the grace of God to be poured on your life. Because it is going to be that grace. And it's going to be that same grace that's going to keep you throughout this year. Amen? Amen. It's time, family. It's time to reprioritize our lives. Some of the stuff you were chasing, that wasn't important. Some of the people you thought were important, they're not important. And I can say this as I close. Many of people have taken for granted loved ones, family members, spouses, children, and in an instance, in a very instance, they were sent to the hospital. I heard a story just just the other day, two days ago, sent to the hospital. Maybe they had a cough, maybe they had a fever. Two days later, they got the call. Your loved one is gone. What's your priority when your loved one is laying in a hospital fighting for their life? What's your priority when you get the cough, get the fever? Is it money, fame, fortune, friends, this, that, the other? No, I think our priority shifts. It's time for us to reprioritize our lives. Let us pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the word of God tonight. I'm praying even now, Lord, that you would move on the altar of the hearts of those who are listening, that they would even begin to understand and hear the need, even in their own life situations, to start reprioritizing, to put away the things that were frivolous, the things that were insignificant, and to put at the forefront and to value what's valuable. Some have even cast your word to the back burner. God, I pray that they push it back to the front. Some have pushed prayer to the back burner. I pray tonight they push it back to the front as a priority. Some, God, have abandoned you in all manner of experience. I pray, God, they put it back on the front burner. And Spirit of the Lord, some don't even know you. And I'm praying tonight, God, that they would see eternal life as a priority, that they would see securing their eternal future as a priority that needs to be taken care of tonight. So with that said, Father, I pray right now for anyone who's, who's standing on the cusp of making that decision, they're thinking, you know what, I, I do need to give my life to Christ. I do need to change my priority. I need to, ch- I need to change in my life. I'm praying with them and praying for them right now, God, that you would lead them to pray this simple prayer. Father, I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. I can't change my situation, but I realize I need you. I repent of my sin. Change my mind about living a life that displeases you. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Save me, Lord. Seal me with your spirit until the day of redemption. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. 
You have been listening to the radio broadcast ministries of Kettering Baptist Church under the leadership of Senior Pastor Bucus Sterling III, where we minister in the spirit of excellence. We pray that you have been richly blessed by today's message. Financial contributions in support of this ministry are welcome. We thank you in advance for uniting with us in kingdom building. For a copy of this sermon on CD or to hear this message again on the web, please visit our website at KetteringMinistries.org and remember to reference the title and broadcast date. We hope that you have enjoyed our journey together. And we invite you to join us for one of our spirit-filled worship services, Sundays at 8 a.m. or 11 a.m. at the Legacy Center, located at 6909 Crane Highway, Upper Marlboro, Maryland. For additional information, go to our website at KetteringMinistries.org or contact our church office at 301 301- Six two seven nine five zero zero. Please join us again as Senior Pastor Bucus Sterling III and the Kettering Baptist Church family minister in the spirit of excellence. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.